0: The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast.
1: and gentlemen and thanks for joining us tonight after a long rain delay the tarps are coming off the field and it looks like we are gonna have trilogy podcast for you today i am uh, your host scott cagney and next to me i've got uh, vin how are you scott i'm great vin thanks for all the energy That's right, we're the Trilogy Podcast. Welcome, folks. It's the only podcast devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight-to-cable. We're talking only legit trilogies. We've got trivia, debate, facts, and more. The hell with the movie if they made four. Ben? Can
2: we stop doing this now because, frankly...
1: Uh, Okay, yeah, yeah. my. Yo,
2: I am so excited. This is a good one. This is a really good one. The music in the background has filled me with energy. And, and it's, it's apropos for
1: uh, the time of year right
2: now. Yeah, we're we selected re- it because it is baseball
1: season. And I, I believe, is, is the All-Star game on tonight? I think it is tonight. We are recording this uh, the night of the All-Star game. And that's why it's so appropriate that we're doing Major,
2: Major League. League. Major League Trilogy, in a lot of ways, I think it's thought of just as a movie. I don't think people conceive of or think of Major League as, oh, the Major League Trilogy. They think of the movie Major League. Right. You know, that's the reality. Right. Hey, I, this is uh, fun for me because, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of baseball. Me too. I'm a big Yankee fan. I think we're both Yankee fans, as
1: right? am I. All right. Um, so. And I'm also a big fan of baseball movies. Me too. Me too. Most baseball movies you can win me over if it's if it's good baseball, we're seeing.
2: Right. No question about it. Um, but, you know, before we get into how I think this movie relates to sports movies, and we talked a little bit about this, one of our trill bits, we, a couple of our trill bits, we talked about yes. um, football movies, baseball movies, you know. Seasonal sports movies. Yeah. So some of this has been covered a little bit, but um, before we get into anything, I think we just got to lock down the basics. Yes. That's going to be, of course, the kind of trilogy this is.
0: Major League is a gang's All Here trilogy. These films follow the continued adventures of a group of friends, co-workers, or superheroes
2: over the course of three movies, Dickheads. Dickheads son of a bitch. If I have to hear about another superhero. <laughs> All right. We're talking about Major League here. Okay. Um, And I think it's really up to you to break down what Major League is about. Most people know what the first movie is about. Okay. They know it's... sure, You know, it's pretty famous. Well, it's a pretty classic story. Classic tale. But yeah. I got to tell you, and I think this will be a theme through this podcast episode. A lot of people don't remember the second and third movie. They were not that successful. So I'm not sure people are going to specifically remember the plots of these films. No.
1: I mean, I certainly had not seen
2: the third one. Listen, ever. these
1: plots are not some
2: sort of deep, intricate plots. No, they're, they're, they're quite simple. You know what? I shouldn't be talking. You should be talking. Why don't you break down the plots? All right. And I think for this one, I'm going to give you the dates of each film as we go. That sounds good. It's a little variable in the podcast, folks. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. And sometimes he forgets. Yep.
1: All right. So here are the plots. And uh, uh, as always, you know, going to be relatively bare bones, uh, not trying to give too much detail, just trying to give the skeleton of the movie.
2: Although I would suggest that unlike a lot of the trilogies we do, if you've only seen the first one here, you could probably get a lot out of this podcast episode as well. You could probably still enjoy it. Usually we say two or the entire thing. But for this one, most of you, many of you will have only seen Major League. So, and we'll sort of fill you in on at least listen up to there. I mean, yeah, you know. All right, so here we're
1: starting off with Major League 1989. A rich widow inherits a terrible baseball team that hasn't won a pennant in 35 years. In an effort to drop attendance so low that she can move the team to a different city, she puts together
2: an unorthodox team of losers. I'm not really sure how that would cause a team to. Then qualify to move to another city. Well, the, I guess it would bring The legalities it of the, in the stadium. was the contract
1: of the lease with the city. Yeah, that that's really. to. I, I feel
2: like I don't know enough about like city agreements. But people <laughs> don't know, but, hate owning baseball teams. People aren't like, oh, shit, I inherited a baseball team. Yeah. Even in the 80s, the late 80s, no team was worth like a worthless team that was so bad they were like oh god what am I gonna do with this burden this hundred yeah. million dollar burden yeah y- you know yeah I mean but so the her Cleveland whole thing, Indians I think that's that's important and we'll talk about you I know, mean I didn't want to give that
1: detail on the plots but no, I, think, that's fine. I think that's gonna be integ- it's that, integral to the movie it's
2: true it's true
1: she puts together an unorthodox team of losers including an over the hill catcher a voodoo priest and an ex-con pitcher after a terrible beginning to the season, against all odds, the team starts playing well together. As the team gets back on track, the over-the-hill catcher tries to get the rest of his life on track by stalking an old girlfriend. Definitely stalks her. Weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's very strange in today's, uh, you know, Well. watching it with the, the lens of today, if you will. He's an alcoholic in this movie. He is a real piece of shit in this movie. <laughs> Which I think is actually true to like a baseball player. Like That's I think what's like, so a lot good of these about guys it.
2: on the road who live their whole life are yeah. real pieces of shit. But I like that kind of a down in his luck character that yeah. sort of Yeah. He's that- still got a chance. Because if he's got a chance, I got a chance. Love's you know? got a chance. Their relationship has a chance. Exactly. Very
1: foreboding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um the players find out that they were put together to lose, and they use that fact as a rallying cry to win games, and they tie for first place in their division, forcing them to play a one-game playoff against their division rivals. In the end, the team of losers is able to win the game and their first pennant in decades, and the catcher's ex finally gives in and chooses him. Can we go move on to the... good to Major League 2, good. Here we are, Major League 2... 1994. Does this have a subtitle? No. Just Major League 2? Yes. Okay. Here we go. It's the next season for the team of losers,
2: now owned by their third baseman. But the success I want the- you to think about that for a second. That is one of the most ridiculous things in this film, and it really makes you question how much money Roger Dorn could possibly have accumulated as a player. Mm. That he can afford not to purchase some minority stake in the team, but purchase the team. Well, wasn't then- he sort of wealthy before? Later but on, Martin Jordan
1: seems like a very savvy guy. Dorn's he would make
2: the status as an owner and what he's an owner of changes throughout all this whole trilogy. It's confusing, I think. Yes. You're never really sure what he owns, why he's selling oh, things, why oh, he's look, buying things. Believe
1: me, there's going to be a lot of random plot holes in these movies where you're like, if you forgive them,
2: the movie's fine. But it is. Well, isn't it true that you have a family member that owns part of a major league baseball team? So that's why you're an expert in this kind of thing. That is not true. Well, But the success from the events of last season has gone to the players' heads,
1: Mm. causing them to do stupid things, like star in an action movie or
2: change religions. (laughs) (laughs) Though the previous one was successful. Yes. Why tinker with what's working?
1: Right. Serrano. Right. Why? It's (laughs) like they've they've, uh, peaked and now they think they need to change something. They're like, no, Uh you just keep doing what you're doing. Even the ex-con pitcher has tried to clean up his act and become more corporate thanks to his publicist girlfriend. But his heart is still with his ex, a teacher.
2: The over-the-hill A teacher we didn't see, hear about, know when, about, when did no reference happen? in the first film at all. Yeah, she at
1: points is saying, things like, remember last season? And I'm like, where were you last season? Yeah, you were weren't you? here. Like, I guess we
2: didn't see his whole life. You but- know where she was? Where? She was with Dan Aykroyd getting ready to visit fucking her home planet because that's um Connie Conehead from oh, Conehead's yeah. movie. I'm like looking at her the whole movie. I'm like, who
1: are you? I know who you are. That's <laughs> exactly who she is. Wow. The over-the-hill catcher stays on as a coach, and as the season begins, the team is too focused on other things, and they play terribly. Mm. The owner is so desperate, not only does he trade their best player, who was a Prick anyway. Yeah, he also sells the team back to the widow from the first one, who sees another opportunity to move the
2: team. <laughs> that exchange doesn't make any sense at no, all. No, Dorn has just purchased the team, then sells the team back, then activates himself as a player because he's still the general uh, manager. They,
1: they undid everything they did. I just at the he, beginning. What
2: his logic is
1: at that whole maneuvering doesn't make
2: any what sense. What was the whole catch up of getting us on the same page that right. this had been done, and then you just undid it? Well, because you want to bring her back it's and I guess, like inspire the just, team with her evil again.
1: Right. It literally, the movie, at some point, the movie just starts playing the first movie again. Yeah. Just that scene where she comes in and fucks with all of them. Just that, to the end, is the first movie uh-huh. again. Like You're right. This sends the team into a depression, and their manager suffers a heart attack. Mm. The over-the-hill catcher takes over as manager. And slowly, but surely, the team starts to turn it around. These movies really think we care about the manager. They win their division and must face their division rivals in the ALCS. The losers quickly win three in a row, only to lose three in a row, bringing it all down to the final game. In the ninth, the losers have the lead, but the bases are loaded. It up steps their former best player. What? The ex-con pitcher who has now rediscovered his edge comes on and strikes the best player out to mm. head to the World Series, which we do not see.
2: These movies refuse to give us the championship game. It's always a pennant game or a... yeah, that's not uncommon. Previous f- sports films do that same kind of a thing. It's not always the, the ultra yes. championship game. For God's sakes, the natural is just the pennant. Yeah. When he's blowing up lights and shit, things are exploding. That's just, you just won the pennant. Right. So didn't win the World Series. So that's, I can forgive it. And now, Major League, back to the
1: minors. 1998. The third baseman slash owner now owns another terrible Major League baseball team and hires a washed up minor league pitcher to coach his minor league team this ragtag team of losers gets some help from some familiar faces from the other movies and starts to play better than their major league counterpart this leads to a one game publicity stunt that the losers are about to win when the manager of the major league team turns off the power ending that game in a tie who knew the
2: manager of any team had
1: that power baseball and baseball team, games don't end in ties. You pick it up, you wait. And if the power comes back on, I'm sure someone would go, Oh, it seems
2: someone just flipped the switch. We'll just turn it back on and continue the game. The manager is not the most powerful man in the stadium. Seriously. <laughs> like, like turn off Roger the power. Dorn couldn't okay. call and
1: go, don't do that. Yeah. Turn it back, turn back on. Back on. Right. I own the team. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? Like, Fucking Al Bundy's neighbor really overreaching there. Dude, that's
2: the best party ever played except for of the Nerds. Yeah. The team's confidence is shaken, but they're able
1: to bounce back and win their division. A minor league manager challenges the major league manager to a rematch on their field. And if they win, the minor league manager gets the major league manager's job. They rally to win the game, but the minor league manager decides to stay in the minor league. What are these
2: wrestling stipulations? If I win, you get my job. If you win, my salary. What are you talking about? This
1: movie, the third movie suffers from being overly specific about things at times. where it's like you don't need to do all that I'd also suggest that they you'll just you'll get my salary why the fuck would I want your salary you make the minimum they just like, do
2: the same climax two times in a row yeah. you think that in the middle there's the climax then they just do it again in a different field yeah. on the shittier field on the minor league field that looks like well, it's a little league field I have a sneaking suspicion they cut a lot out of that movie
0: okay. I think there were
1: other scenes and other things that were like god awful
2: to cut them out. Like, stop already
0: <laughs> was that the but end those are
2: your plots yeah that's yeah it. so yeah. all right so those were the plots pretty basic not uncommon for sports movies right yeah all right which i think kind of leads a me into goal to get to
1: there's a hump to get over whatever that always... in the world
2: of sports films sure. um you
1: rally win
2: for me scott major league is is the best sports comedy in my opinion my favorite sports comedy unless probably yeah you talk about the movie Caddyshack, and you call that a sports movie?
1: Well, it depends if you call golf a sport.
0: Todd, what did you shoot today? Oh, I don't keep score, Judge. Oh, well, how do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. Let me
2: tell you something. The major league films entered pop cultural relevance in a lot of different ways. First of all, in the world of baseball, Mitch Williams, The Wild Thing. Mitch Williams is a pitcher for the Phillies. Uh, in the have it down here, the 1993 World Series, and he gave up that famous home run to um, Joe Carter, mm. and it basically wrecked his career. And he was known as the Wild Thing. He came out to the song, mm. and I don't think you can watch a baseball game without hearing an announcer say
0: "just a bit outside."
2: You hear that in every game if there's a very outside pitch. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah, so that's kind of entered the baseball lexicon to some degree. Sure. So those are a couple of interesting things. Do you have anything else you can think of that, in terms of pop culture? Because I'm ready to talk about some of the characters. Let's jump into the characters cast. The thing with the there. characters this is, a very big ensemble cast, so we could talk about the characters forever. So I just thought it would make the most sense to just kind of pick off their most important deals, the things we know them the most by, yeah. and just chat on that for a second. Sure. Because I'm not going to just, I can't list the credits all of, you know, all of Corbin Burnson's credits. We'll be here all day. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I mean somebody like a Wesley Snipes, all right? Sure. Tom Berenger, all right? He was in two of the three films. He's kind of the heart and soul of this trilogy, even though he's only in two of the three films, yes? Yeah. would you say? Yeah, well, of course. He was the captain of the team. Yeah, and Tom Berenger's an interesting actor. He's he's He was in The Substitute. You think of him as a substitute. I think of him as the guy in Platoon. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think of him as
1: a substitute because, like, you know, you go to the video store and you always see like sub two, one, two, three. And they're the exact same poster <laughs> of him slightly standing differently. Like. It's,
2: he's interesting in that he mixes in a lot of low budget crap with a lot of, a lot of films we know of. Yeah. Platoon was an Academy Award winning film. I think he was nominated for an Academy Award for Platoon, was he? Um, he was in Platoon with Charlie Sheen. It was also in this film. Yeah. All right. And we know about Charlie. Wall mm-hmm. Street. Yep. Young Guns. Two and a half men. The whole controversy arising out of that and he got replaced by Ashton Kutcher. Right. HIV positive, suddenly, after losing his mind and doing that whole tiger blood, that whole crazy stripper world, sexual coke universe Yeah, thing. He's, a, he's a lunatic. The, uh, the period that you went through, what do you refer to that as? Is it? Uh... I was calling it a meltdown, mm-hmm. but then I, I sort of changed my perspective and I'm calling it a, a, a melt forward. Feldman accusing him of raping Corey Haim during Lucas. During the film Lucas, which were he they were on together, Charlie Sheen raping Corey. He Ian? absolutely has. That's come oh, out now. Is one of that. the big exactly.
1: Although I mean Feldman's been saying a lot of shit, but I'm like that's oh. the whole thing. Well, Feldman
2: is an insane person. Yeah, I came very close to doing a podcast just talking about how much I hate Corey Feldman. That's how much. <laughs> but so that's that Sheen. Do you have any Sheen impressions? Not do you do a Sheen impression, but. Uh-huh.
1: To my nerdy Charlie Sheen voice that did in the <laughs> second movie. But, uh, well, it just makes
2: financial sense. If I, uh, <laughs> Suddenly, yeah. he talked that way.
1: Yeah, Charlie Sheen's a weird guy. I, he, I, I, from my childhood, he did the voice of... Uh, um, What's the, the name of the dog? I don't remember the name of the dog, but he was the main dog in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. All it dogs was to Reynolds Yeah, that was in Bert the first Reynolds. one. In the sequel, it was Charlie Sheen. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Reynolds didn't want to do it, I think. Well, I think Dom DeLuise did both as the sidekick dog.
2: He was like, a movie? Great, I'll do it. Like, yeah, is Dom DeLuise really in the position to turn down work? Yeah, no. Corbin Burnson, who's one of the actors, one of the few actors that was in all three films. Yes. All right, he's famous originally from L.A. Law. Mm-hmm. He was the second lead on that after Harry Hamlin. And basically disappeared. He did a lot of low-budget shit and disappeared up until the television show Psych. Where he played the mean character's father.
1: You know, Dorn, I liked you so much better when you were just
2: a ball player. Dennis Haysbert. Could be pronouncing his name wrong. Don't know. Not sure. H- Don't H- care. H- Haysbert? Listen. Or something like that? He was only famous for this role of Serrano until he was on 24. So for a solid chunk of time, for like 15 And, and for Allstate. Are you in good hands? Yeah. He's got that deep voice. He was also in
1: uh, Heat. Right. And kind of a boring side character. A weird
2: that. part in heat in so, in so much as you're like, oh, what a neat, interesting new member of the gang and he's dead immediately. Yeah, and they get no further. No and you further... know what? Just to make you feel bad about it, there's his loving wife that brought him out of the world of crime and tried to reform him and she gets to see on TV how he was murdered. Yeah. Or he was killed, rather, during the shootouts. So. Yeah, Michael
1: Mann's like, fuck story. Mega During that whole
2: thing. Yeah. Like, okay. um, and then Bob Uecker, of course, who was also in all three and is Bob Uecker. a big time face in this series. Yeah. One of the best parts of these movies. Agreed. He was, you know, the lead of Mr. Belvedere or he was the father in Mr. Belvedere. He didn't play Mr. Belvedere. But he's a real life sports announcer, too. Yes, he is. He's been the uh, announcer for the Milwaukee Brewer since Mm. uh, the early 70s. I want to say 1972. Uh, And he's still to this day. He's in his 80s and he's the announcer. Wow. He's famous for being a historically bad baseball player when he played himself. Known as Mr. Baseball. Um, he used to appear on the Carson show in the, in the eighties and the nineties. That was his gimmick that he was a bad baseball player. And so he, he made fun of himself, self-effacing mm. kind of a guy. And he is very funny. A natural, I think, uh, deliverer of the quip, the quick line. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. really on display in these films. Uh, Wesley Snipes, who was only in the first film, played Willie Mays Hayes, but was yes. very memorable. Yeah. Replaced by Omar Epps in the second film badly. Yeah. Uh, Margaret Witten, who was the antagonist in the first two films. She owned the team right, and was sort of rooting against her own team.
1: Is it the same actress in the second one? Too? It is,
2: but what you, the reason why you're making a face and asking me that question is she clearly had horrifying plastic surgery done between the first and second film, mm. which maskified her face and really made her look... She looks older. Freakish. She looks strange. She doesn't yeah. look like the same actress. I had to look her up as the same actress because the plastic surgery so changed her appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Renee Russo, who was in the first two films. Yeah. And I always liked Renee Russo. I always thought she was very charming. Yeah. Uh, She was uh Riggs' wife in Lethal Weapon. Three and three four. Three and
1: four. She was in a few years ago uh, Nightcrawler with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Where he's like this... Um, weird guy who starts he gets like footage of like accidents and like crimes and really like, and sells it he's like a freelancer okay. who sells it to the studio but she's like the head of the studio and they have this weird fucking relationship
2: she hasn't been around in a while though i mean she's definitely yeah. a product of the 90s so you yeah. haven't seen her in a she's long.
1: starting to get like a couple of roles she was uh, she's thor's mother in thor
2: is that right mm-hmm.
1: well that certainly legitimizes her doesn't it scott well, I mean, recently she's been getting
2: a couple of roles coming uh, You know, now, that's, but that's just what we were talking about when we, when we talked about The Avengers, how these right. older actors are kind of finding work as mentor-type parts and parent-type parts right? in the superhero movies. Yeah. All right. And I think uh, the first two films were directed and written by the same guy. His name is David S. Ward, and this was a labor of love for him. He received an Academy Award for being the screenwriter for The Sting. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, and really didn't, hasn't done much more that we would know of. He was He directed the movie King Ralph. If you're a John Goodman fan, which I I kind of like that movie, yeah, it's not a bad movie. (laughs) (laughs) It really gets a bad rap, but I think he's very winning in it. It like vaguely reminds
1: me of our current situation here in America.
2: Yeah, it kind of does. A
1: slovenly, yes, but he was he was
2: lovable, and his intentions were not bad. Yeah, it was. It's like
1: evil King Ralph. (laughs) exactly.
0: Spotted dick, dick of what? Could I just have some ice cream?
2: That, my friend, is the perfect transition into the first film let's do it
0: watch this taylor is pointing to the bleachers he's calling his shot it's
2: one of my favorite comedies definitely the 80s i gotta tell you oh yeah it's got some really great parts that i still quote to this day to me joe boo is still a funny character that i like to reference and i really love the relationship between serrano and harris that's not replicated he loses something serrano in the other two movies because he doesn't have harris S's counter. Right. The whole idea to counter super you know, Christian. That line where he says
0: You're trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One
2: of the best lines of the film.
1: Like a couple of lines right off the bat in this movie uh, from uh Rachel Phelps. Yes. Uh They when she gives him the list and the one guy's like this one guy's dead (laughs) cross him off like just a really funny like yeah because like if you're watching this movie for the first time you have no idea you're about to meet all these other characters and all this stuff like to you she could be the lead of this movie you know like and right away you're kind of like well, she's kind of like cutthroat but it's funny no no question that and then she's talking about the team she's like you know, we don't, no one's coming in. We don't have any good players. We don't draw dick. <laughs> and I was like, we don't draw dick. That I just said right in my head. It's just like a weird phrase. That's like, just the
2: language of the 80s. Just drawing you, dick. The word dick was thrown around in the 80s in a really loose way, I can tell you. Yeah. I threw it around. And so yeah. I can see how that would be part of the vernacular yeah. of the time in a way that makes sense. I was
1: trying to think of other movies that have used it. And the only one that comes to mind immediately is Men in Black. When he's like, he's like, let me tell you something
2: slick. All your skills amount to dick, 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 dick. Um, anywho. I was going to say, I really like Tom Berenger in this movie and the idea just, I don't know if you'd call it a trope, but the notion in the sports film of that aging athlete that just wants one more chance, like that one more shot, especially Wait. that his last athletic action is that his like knees give out as he hits the base and he right, goes down right. he in a slow-mo he crumble. Had, he left it all uh, on the field. It breaks my yeah. heart. Yeah. I'm a I'm a real sucker for that. You the know?
1: only thing is, like, as I notice as the movie's going along, and then even into the second movie, like, it, not to jump ahead, but there's a moment in the second movie, he says it's a rube. He says, uh, you know, well, you're a young kid, you know, you have plenty of chances and all this stuff, and it's like, Yeah, and like in your head, you're like, as opposed to you, you're the old man, so we should give you every shot in the world. Well, the first time you're like, this could be my last shot. And then you came back the next year thinking you were going to play again. So obviously it wasn't your last shot. That's
2: exactly right. That's a perfect example of of a sequel. But it's it's an example (laughs) of a sequel corrupting an idea from the first film sure. in the same yes. way that we just forget about in the Karate Kid, Daniel's relationship with Ali at the beginning of the second Karate Kid. Right. We're supposed to hear, forget about the notion. That this was Jake's one last chance. Right. He even has this really nice moment in the first movie where he's a toast with the guys to two young and promising careers and one last shot. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So when he comes back expecting to play in the second one, you're like, Oh fuck off, man. Yeah. You had but, your. I,
1: I do think it turns out to be interesting because it shows like a a, a baseball player's progression of giving up the game, sort of thing. I, I, like, I mean, like, I guess so, right, but it still just takes it, away from
2: a little bit of the. No, you're right. It does the though. beauty of the first film.
1: In the first movie, uh, when when Charlie Sheen gets dropped off on the motorcycle, yeah. Who's that guy who dropped him off?
2: Obviously a fellow
1: con. I assume a lover immediately. Just because <laughs> they're two guys on a motorcycle. They're both wearing leather. Because it's Charlie Sheen. It's just, yeah. It's Sheen. Well, sure. Yeah. You know. And the other guy has like a big like, m- you know, mustache. And I'm like, eh, you guys get into all sorts of hijacks, <laughs> don't you?
2: Yeah, but it's it's cool. It's, it's an interesting way of filming that shot where they have the different people rolling in. It's yeah, the different yeah. characters. Interesting. No,
1: pretty good. See, I, I, I think the thing is people are suckers for, and my, me included, were movies where you're introduced to a large group of people one by one. Of course. Like, because you really start to get to know the characters and you're like, Oh, that's their
2: quirk. I like that. The whole point of why they're gangs all here films. People like to meet these, this group and yeah, the oceans 11 guys come back. We get to know them again. We see them. They're separate shit on the outside. They're individual lives. They coming back together to work as a team. Right? Exactly. So people like that shit. I Um, think that was
1: when I was watching it and I was like, yeah, this is definitely a gangs all here because they're doing all the
2: same typical stuff. (laughs) Doesn't Lou in the first film feel like a poor man's Wilford Brimley from The Natural? Like, Wilford Brimley in The Natural is like, just one last chance. The old man needs a pennant. We need that's the one whole... last chance, Jerry. Now, but this guy kind of sort of looks like him, Lou, yeah. but he's just saltier and more vulgar and just like. He's like a little bit like he always think that he, he reminds me of John
1: Wayne, that actor. Really, like he's got kind of a like a draw, there, yeah, like kind of a slow way. Of Here's what like. I think of your contract,
0: Dorn. Yeah, like this I don't. Know, he's got kind of like a cadence like yeah. John
1: Wayne, but yeah, he does good have a point. Wilford Brimley. Like it's Wilford Brimley
0: plus John Wayne. Yeah, is, yeah. Is What that guy? Is. That's good. Good morning. I'm Wilford Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. <laughs> and obviously, the only thing that Jake
2: needs to do to win over. Rene Russo, the librarian, Mm. is just be literate. Just be able to read a book and I'll care about you. Now,
1: this is my question, and maybe you'll have this answer for me. (laughs) Is he not just reading a comic book version of- Well, they're graphic novels, in my opinion. Sure, but they're
2: not the whole book, right? And they see them passing around, they have a lot of stories. He's cheating. She thinks he's reading the book. He's reading the fucking cliff note, and he's getting laid. i based the, on the cliff note. The balls to say, yeah. you, "Did you read the book
1: cover to cover?" Yeah, yeah. Queequeg's oh, coffin while you, you're like, blowing me. Yeah, in the 20 minutes on the bus, I read it real quick. Like, <laughs> let's do this. You want to see my Moby Dick? Look, well, come on. Let's and instead
2: go. of playing cards on the bus, these guys are swapping fucking graphic novels, comic books with each other. Okay. The ending is what's interesting about this film, because though it's a comedy, it ends like a drama. The slow music. Yeah, the real emotional joy in victory. And I, yeah. I like it. It works. It, it could have not worked, but that big grabbing Wesley Snipes and he's in the air with his hands raised aloft, yeah, Like it sure. feels like a drama and it works. And you know what? He's got a really nice connection with Lou too. You see it. Like he's almost like there because he gave him a chance to be a yeah. baseball player. That's a nice moment in the yeah. same way that you have the nice moment between Harris and Serrano, the two Christian guy and a voodoo guy. We did it! It's yeah, yeah,
1: beautiful! Yeah, everyone's got their little person yeah. that they feuded with, and at the end, it's like, it doesn't matter! Even in the bar,
2: no. the construction worker and the guy that weirdly has a red horn coming out of his head. He's the, a devil worshipper, it seems. I thought he just had, like, a mohawk or something. If that you doesn't... look in, in the you scene, got horn? he's got a red leg devil horn that seems to be a, a punk accessory, but I still have never yeah. been able to identify what it does or what it is.
1: While we're talking about those guys who keep popping up, watching uh, the games. They're in the bar together, yeah. One of the guys, the construction worker, who weirdly wears his construction hat into the bar to show that he's That we know who he is, we remember him. Uh, He is the janitor from
2: Scrubs. He's done a bunch of, he's done a couple of series. He did Scrubs, he did something else too. He was in, on the middle. You know what? That's very reminiscent of the scene in another trilogy we did at a baseball game, Naked Gun, when you have the (laughs) priest and the rabbi that hug each other.
1: Uh, when they're, when the plane is down, right? And they're talking, they're sitting there. And I think it's when he's reading Moby Dick. And he's, and he tells her, he was like, well, you know what? You should just go talk to her. And he's like, I don't even, she's not going to talk to me. I don't have her number. And he's like, oh, you should tail her home. (laughs) And his character's name is Taylor tell her how interesting. And I was like, Wow. I, it struck me like immediately when I heard it I'm like how did you either you didn't realize that yeah. or you did and that's why the character's name is Taylor I because possibly, he, he, I he literally that wasn't done follows purpose. her the like, whole movie can't have been done on purpose but he, he like, does I'm, I'm surprised this movie didn't end with him like raping and murdering her because like he is like creepy like following her the entire <laughs> it's like fucking he, movie he calls it's her awful.
2: in the restaurant and she doesn't know he's there and he's talking about what she's wearing and it's yeah. like the scene in Ghosts where it's like you know the shirt just spilled the margarita on that's what you're wearing right now she's like what the is going yeah. on here how do you know what i'm wearing may, what's happening It's <laughs> fucking oda may in that scene man
1: best line in the movie for me i would laughed out loud and it's a you know a line that you can't have in the other movies because this movie has the r rating is where they go to the the dinner party whatever yeah and he's like he's like yeah i'll walk you out and he's like stay away from her and he just goes suck my dick <laughs> I mean, like, it's just a great fucking line to be like because like in reality, that's something you would say to a person who is like, yeah, go fuck yours, suck my dick. Okay? I'm saying, like,
2: Scott, the word dick was used, yeah. was thrown around in the 80s. People were saying dick all the time, man. Well, I mean. This movie yeah. is about dick, dick, <laughs> dick, dick. <laughs> well, of course, it's a baseball movie. Yeah, of man. Of course, it's
0: about dick dick, dick,
2: dick, dick, dick. And
1: I think, you know, just one last thing on this movie and, and really kind of the second movie, because it's just sort of repeating what the first movie did. Um, it really gives you a great like 360 degree view of a season because mm. like you do get like the fans who intermittently will talk about it. You get like the, the Japanese groundskeepers yep. who talk about it, and then you got like, the announcers and like how Bob Uecker is getting into it. Mm-hmm. Like the first time you notice it is when he's like, he's like, I think we got hosed on that call if you ask me or something. Like in the first thing, yeah. you're like, oh okay, so he's behind the team too. Uh-huh. Like now it's you see it the fervor building
2: and becoming. And Well, it helps to show like the hopelessness of Cleveland all this whole time. They're all right. suffering together. And then so later, it's that much greater when they're all like happy together. Right. You know,
1: so it shows how how sport can really bring people together and lift
2: people up. Well, but the theme of these films really is teamwork. Right. The, the prevailing theme and including... People around just ch- cheering them on. Unfortunately, so. that theme, much as it works great in the first film, doesn't work so well for me in the second film, and especially in the third film where they smash you over the head with the word teamwork, right. and you want to kill yourself. Right. But I think we I think we can go into two now, right? I'm, I'm ready, yeah. All right.
0: Taylor's running again.
2: What's cool about two is that right off the bat, Euchre breaks down what has happened. Yes, okay. and
1: again, we get another, another 80s and 90s, or 80s, 90s era movie that gives you a previously on the last movie Sure, and catches you up the same way we His saw narration, Evil we see, Dead, right? Karate Kid.
2: Clips from the first movie are, are there. Right. I guess about five years have passed. For me, it was a significant five years. I went from eighth grade to graduating high school. Yeah. So by the time the second movie came around for me, I didn't really give a shit anymore. Right. Because, okay, whatever, it's major league. I'd see, outgrown it.
1: I'd outgrown it. I was like nine when the second movie okay. came out. So prime time for me to be watching that kind of movie, especially because they, this, as we said, is a PG right. from an R to a PG.
2: And I think yeah. the, the best analogy is that in this one, Serrano goes from being a, a voodoo practitioner to a Buddhist. Yeah. that's straight up voodoo is a, a rated R religion and Buddhism is a PG religion. Oh, sure. the, so it's a perfect analogy. You not, see. not
1: only that, look at fucking Vaughn. Right, being corporatized and being d- right—they they took away his hair. No more
2: wild thing. The yes. whole script yes. is a comment on the fact that they had to make it a PG. And you're right. You're so right. And I think that the movie suffers. And I think that I can almost tolerate I the almost Vaughn... appreciated for that that it's commenting on itself, being like, yeah, but there's it's this is worse. Okay, but it's not. <laughs> but it's not as funny. The fact that it's ironic sure. because it knows it's not as funny. It yeah. doesn't make it better. You know, it's still pretty funny. I still think the well, second movie's pretty. Funny. Uh, it has a couple of funny moments, but look. Bob Euchre is a genius. Is the best, best in thing, the second movie. You're right. I think he's the highlight of the second film by far. Bob Euchre. I think he's the best thing. Yes. He's got the best best lines, the funniest lines. Yes, absolutely. When he refers to the uh, to the birds as uh, rats with wings, it's funny. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, I have so many little... He just...
2: goes great when he goes... He goes
0: <laughs> as you know, Monty, Vaughn's been working on a couple of new pitches, the Eliminator and the Humiliator, to complement his fastball, the Terminator. I heard that. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcast school has really paid off. And you know, I where, actually
1: had a friend who used to say that in high school when, right? like you, when you, you know, he'd say something to you and you'd be like, "Yeah, okay, like it's a great, drop in, Marty."
2: <laughs> Speaking of the, the idea of it being self-referential, knowing that it's PG yeah. or whatever, right? I think that it's very directly making fun of the fact that Wesley Snipes did not come back. By basically saying, "Oh, he decided to do mo- like d- action movies right. instead." Right. I think that's very obvious. Am that, I wrong? It's commenting on. Oh, yes. it's so heavy-handed in that. Well,
1: because it, I mean, you're telling the story of a group of guys who were nobodies who suddenly, at the end of the movie, became somebody's right? And now their lives have changed, and they've changed the way they do things. And that's basically what happened to most of these reality guys in the mirrors. Are Charlie exactly. Sheen blew up? Wesley
2: Snipes blew up right after that. And so, really, the the, the filmmakers, the cast, the, so there's a resentment there. Like, why didn't you come back and join us? You're too good for us now. Right. But do you know what happened between the two movies? What happened was New Jack City happened.
1: Sit your $5 ass down before I make change.
2: Yeah. And New Jack City sort of made him a dramatic actor, an action-style actor, and changed his dynamic as an actor. Right. I'm not, listen, I don't love Wesley Snipes. He comes across as a real asshole in most contexts, yeah. in real life. But... And he's a trilogy superstar. You know, he's Blade, yes. for God's sake. Yeah. But I got to tell you, Omar Epps is, a, is not as good as Wesley Snipes. And he's a real, he's like a torn hamstring in this film, if I'm going to make it athletic. Yeah. Although I got to tell you, that little clip he has with Jesse Ventura... In that that fake action Thunder, movie, and they're laughing together. That figure, <laughs> yeah. I, I laughed out loud. It was super yeah. funny to me. I like Jesse Ventura as an actor, frankly, yeah, not funny. as a politician or human or any of that other stuff. Yeah. But as an actor, I've always liked him.
0: Mine fell the hardest.
2: Mine are the ha <laughs> At the same time, you have to ask yourself, what happened to Lou's nose? He obviously had a skin cancer that caused his nose to look fucking crazy in the second movie.
1: I don't even, I didn't even notice. You didn't notice
2: that? No. His nose looks like a, a burn nose. It looks like an evil dead he's nose. He's kind of an ugly dude. So I kind of Whatever. just like, I feel like my mind blanks on They him took out. a cool, like, craggly character and made him a complete caricature in this film, <laughs> dancing on beds. He just had a bypass. Get out of here. I, 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 don't, I found all that business funny. I hate
1: How much he likes England.
2: And then when he's on the bed and he's like, I love England, I might even move
1: there. The first like, time
2: he made that gag was fine. The but, second but time, the end, one minute later, on the was, bed,
1: I laughed my ass off. that was Scott. It. Oh, God, come on. I like they built him in a thing because he uh, wasn't going to be there. They're like, all right, we'll give you like a recurring joke of how you like England or something.
2: Well, we've got some new people, too. Right. Why do you mention the new people?
1: Well, we got well, we got uh, from the team. We have uh, Tanaka. We have I hated Tanaka. Tanak Tana, Tanaka Tanaka Tanaka. Yeah, whatever. whatever.
2: I hated him so much. Okay, so he's crazy and aggressive. I didn't get it. It I like him
1: only because I enjoy the relationship between
2: him and Serrano. But he's no Harris. Harris had the real relationship with Serrano. That wasn't as good. That's not as good a relationship. By the time we get to the third movie and they're covering each other in fucking hoods, you're like, what are these fetishists doing together? Yeah, no, it gets ridiculous.
0: You know, you have no. You have no.
2: Marvelous. Marvelous? Marvelous. You have no marbles! Marbles? Wiggles? We also had, for this movie, we're talking about new actors, right? Yeah, I was so, going to say, yeah. Fucking Randy Quaid. What is that? I was going to say, yeah. D- ad- yelling. into the stands. Like- Drunken cat. And meanwhile, it's the same other two from the first movie.
1: I think the real Randy Quaid... Uh, he he died years ago, uh, saving us from aliens uh, in Independence Day, and we haven't seen the real Randy Quaid since. Because then never, there was that fat Randy Quaid who came right, out. You're right. right.
2: After that, I'll never forget his last words. Up, 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 up yours. yours. Yep. And you're right. Then the fat one came out and <laughs> saw a couple of gays in Montana, and yeah, then and lost his mind. Right, lost his mind. The fat so. ate his
0: brain. Hi, I'm Randy Quaid. This is the very same shirt that I wore in ID4 when I saved the world. Another act that Rupert Murdoch still hasn't thanked me for. So, Rupert, you want to fuck me? I'm gonna fuck you. I <laughs> like the
1: scene where, uh, you know, uh, what's his face? Rube has the problem throwing the ball back to the pitcher. Yeah, which is the of yips. course such a ridiculous thing. Like I understand it's different throwing
2: from your knees, but has killed careers though. Killed yeah. met Mackie Sasser's entire career. Really? Chuck Knobloch, You know, so. But. It's a known thing. Golf, too. Putting the yips.
1: Yeah. But there's the thing where he's like, uh, oh, I see you read Playboy. Huh? You read Playboy yeah, all the time? Weird. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, bingo. And right away, I just imagine them cutting to them reading porn together. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just bingo. Like, wow, these are pretty good. Thanks for letting me uh, take a look at them. Like, <laughs> Classic just the articles. Yes. <laughs> I read the articles. I, I just want to point out that his the Charlie Sheen's girlfriend in this movie is a really shitty publicist. Why would you change his entire demeanor, his entire the thing that made him personality, famous? the thing that people already uh-huh. like, right. That you could just you know expound upon and continue to make money off of instead you're like no we will make him clean cut and have him sell cereal yeah it doesn't make he make was already sense. in a credit card commercial it, it's not like he right. needs to how much does he need to be that's legitimized? just
2: strictly movie
1: stuff right you yeah. no, not rooted in any kind of but,
2: anything like, I, I wish
1: that was the whole thing is that like you know the teacher woman came back to him and was like look you know i still have feelings for you and you have feelings for me that's whatever but let's just talk about this Your girlfriend sucks at her job. Yeah. Like, she's taking you down a path that's going to ruin
2: you. Odorophorus, ophylactory, marinations. Odorophorus, ophylactonol, nominations.
0: Odorophorus, ophylactogil, emancipations.
2: Uh, A couple of things
1: that we're talking about baseball um, that don't make sense in this movie. Go. That's what I want to talk Uh, about. Serrano running out to go get that bird that gets knocked out of the sky. He's immediately it. out, out of the base. He's spots. immediately out, we thank you. They, they, they fucking drag it out where he puts a, sorry, Mr. Gandhi, You're, yeah. which by the way, that's not even funny. That's yeah. not even clever or smart. <laughs> I don't even know if, I don't even, this, I heard it, I'm like, I don't even know if it's offensive. It just offends me as a joke.
0: I wanted to talk to you about Dr. Watley. I, I have a suspicion that he's converted to Judaism purely for the jokes. <laughs> and this offends you as a Jewish person?
2: No, it offends me as a comedian. In conclusion, every time the movie to me is gets edgy, like the R-rated first film, I enjoy it. When they let Euchre go, I enjoy it. When they have these funny little things like with Berenger and the guy's death speech, I enjoyed it. But the more PG and obvious and childlike, it seems like a kid's movie in a lot of places. Yeah. And the more and I it's, think it was
1: designed to be that way, yeah. sort
2: of. And the more it's like that and the more it's as predictable as it is, the more I, you know... I find myself, meh Yeah.
1: I got a couple of quick, uh, a couple quick baseball things. Go. Uh, the base, uh, the, the Indians all get into a fist fight and they're beating the shit out of each other. And the umpire is like, Do you throw them out. All of them. Yeah. All of them. And you're all out of here. That would never be the case. Oh. They would never throw out an entire team and forfeit that game because they had all fought well, each they other. They
2: certainly wouldn't throw the whole team out. They would just immediately call for a forfeit. They'd be like, your team is out of control and can't play. You're forfeiting. Right.
1: Or they would, because anytime those baseball fights happen, not all the guys involved get thrown out. The people no. who started the fight the people, get thrown
2: out. Right. And that's that. Exactly. And when they and fight they, each other, they don't get thrown out. There have been multiple times when teenagers have fought each other in the dugout and they're not thrown out of the game. Yeah. It's, That's the real
1: difference between this movie and the first movie that is it's largest failing to me is that it has so many scenes of that would never happen in baseball. Right. And like the first movie is pretty close. Pretty to close. What it is. Good point. You know, and Good it's point. a movie. Uh, the first movie is a movie made for baseball fans. Agreed. And the second movie is just a larger, wider audience version yeah, like, of the that The first idea.
2: movie was made for baseball fans, and the second one was made for, like, money. Little League fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, or money. Money, yeah. but I was going to say, for a Little League audience that doesn't know right. baseball so much as they know, Little League baseball. Right, and you, you want to see more
1: crazy, ridiculous plays a- exactly. that you can't actually see in baseball. Exactly.
2: Serrano dresses up, hey, he's dressed up, haha. Oh,
1: and I think it needs to be said, uh, Taylor is a terrible manager. Mm. Because think about it. Well, that Where does he do the whole movie. Someone and okay. his team, he'll say something to one of them to be like, do this, and they'll go,
2: nah, I want to do this. And he'll go, okay. All right.
1: Or he'll well, or they just walk up and go, I want to
2: Sarana want to bat. The last play is okay. utter insanity that they would walk the bases loaded just so he could face the guy he wants Their to play with.
1: It makes no sense. That <laughs> would
2: never happen in any... I get,
1: like, intimidation factor of, like, nah, still, I want that guy. That doesn't like... make any sense. But why would you do that? I know. You're going to go to the World <laughs> Series. <doesn't>... You wouldn't <laughs> blow it for your... But, because, by the way... To blow it for the
0: self-esteem me... of your pitcher. you got to be kidding me. That is so bad. That is absolutely brutal. That's incredible. That is
2: unbelievable. All right. Scotty. Yes. Major League 3 is pretty terrible. Taylor bunt Shit. Major League 3 is like an episode of Quantum Leap where he leaps into the body of a manager of a baseball team. Yes. And that's what the movie is. Like a
1: special episode of Quantum
2: Leap. Exactly. A, long... a little bit longer. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's all it is. It's the same character, Bacula, looking befuddled as he kind of does in most of his roles.
1: I, I wouldn't be surprised if he found out that it was originally written as a Quantum Leap episode. Yeah, no, it's terrible. It, right off the bat... The movie just looks cheap. Looks the font cheap.
2: that the opening credits are in, and you're like, oh no. God. No one has seen this movie enough that they know the details, Scott. Right. So we can't get into the crazy little details about this because people will be like, to what think the, about the, the fuck? Movie. They
1: give you no details. Right. How do Kerbin Burnson and Scott Vacula even know each other? In the beginning of this movie, they even have a conversation of like, oh, you old dog and good to see you. Right. And they have a whole kind of like, be nice to have you come back. And they, they hang
2: out like they their don't friends make it clear at all. They never once mentioned how they met. They never mentioned the Indians. They, they don't w- mention the history of any of these right. players. We don't know how Scott Bakula knows Ted McGinley, but in the beginning, he knows that Ted McGinley, who plays the bad manager, right? All right, right. Mention the nerds guy. Yeah, exactly. With There's children. no connection
1: to why they all. We know, know each that other. he's
2: kind of a dickhead, but we don't know because it doesn't make any sense, right? I think he's okay, but um, I'll tell you this: I like him actually. in this film. He behaves in a way that no major league manager has ever behaved, would ever behave. It's It's a it's it's a it's a piece of garbage.
1: The best I can you've seen Forty Two, right? Oh, there's a scene which I'm sure is like a real life scene, but it's just it's the manager, I believe, of the Cleveland Indians, who's yelling at him during his at bat, like boy, you better go home, and just like general racist racist shit, yeah. And I'm like, that's the only probably real life manager that i would compare this fake manager to is like how inappropriate is all the shit that he's just yelling
2: i mean it's not racist but it's still like you're disrupting the whole game there are a couple of things that he yells that border on racism oh without yes. question yeah he hates his own team they don't seem to like him in any way he seems to have no sense of lore for the game or love of the game yeah. baseball players have a deep abiding love of the game what it means to them yeah. they don't they don't wear three-piece suits like this guy and treat it like a money situation certainly not coaches maybe players but coaches the whole point of a coach is that they're entrenched in the game yeah. that's why they're always former players and that's why baseball player managers always look and dress like schlubs because yeah. they don't care they care about the game
0: See, this game is about nine guys working as one they don't have to be the best nine guys who ever live they just gotta work together
1: oh that's sweet that really is. That's that's, that's so sweet. Had and why was baseball. Bob
2: Euchre demoted? Why was the thank you? I have the same
1: thing written down. <laughs> why did he get demoted? Why does he deserve to be doing the thing for the buzz?
2: Well, they mention a couple of times he's no longer drinking, which maybe that's part of the family oh, maybe friendly. He got
0: fired. And so Hiroshi Kamikaze Tanaka, recently of the Tokyo Giants, knocks himself cold for the second time this week. Maybe in Japan, that's actually better than catching the ball. Personally. I think he's just trying to get out of the
2: lineup. I wrote Back that there's character. no one really worth rooting for. And you yeah. can't root for the manager because it's the manager. I don't dislike so- Pop or whatever, Pops or whatever. But
1: I swear to God, the whole movie, I'm like, so he's going to become a coach at some point, right? right. Like, he's going to, like, blow his leg and have to have the, to give it up. Right. And he never does. And he was even waiting at the end of the movie when, like, you know, oh, they're going to win. He'll get the manager's job and he'll bring Pop with him right. to be, like, bench no. coach or something. No, none of that. Nothing. And I'm like... But you're right. I was certain that he was a coach until they were like, "You're gonna play first base." I'm like, "Why?"
2: Look, they had three angles. None of them interesting. They had the the Spanish guy threatening the pitcher. Not right. real. Not really interesting. No. Okay. You have and that guy plays scary Hispanic guy in like everything he's in. Well, he's he's a trilogy superstar because he's in Friday Part Two. He's a little Joker, one of the Spanish guys that moves next door in Rancho Cucamonga to the cousin of uh, Ice Cube. So he's one of the bad guys in Friday Part 2, interestingly enough. Um, I'd also like to say that... So you have that angle that's not interesting. You have the angle with the Asian guy and Serrano where they're covering their faces and being strange. Very odd. Right? And then the final angle is 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 downtown, which is not interesting. No, they introduced it
1: at the beginning of the movie, too. He does one thing where he's like bunt and he hits a home run and he benches him. Right. And then nothing from him for the rest of the movie until that it's conveniently needed so for the plot. That so
2: freakish. His tight face Oh, that's, that's
1: Walton Goggins. He's got those crazy teeth <laughs> and those buggy eyes and those nuts. But what's interesting to me, I was like, oh, Walton well, Goggins is this. And not only that, there's another S.H.I.E.L.D. cast member. They're both members of um, Vic Mackey in right. The S.H.I.E.L.D. His strike team... Uh, you know, it's like three or four guys with them. And two of them are in this movie. No shit. Which, and they're both teammates, Walton Goggins, who's uh Broadway or downtown rather. Uh-huh. And then Lance, the Lance, the dance Lance romance or whatever the fuck right, they call right. him. Uh, he's also one of the other guys on the team. So sure. I was like, Oh, that's kind of funny to see them that they were doing this like just a few years yeah. before this, they blew up and you know,
2: yeah, it's the same kind of weird thing. When we saw that girl was in army of darkness right before Schindler's list. The progression of actors careers is interesting. Sometimes yeah. you really, now that we're seeing these trilogies and we're seeing actors kind of pop up over and over again, you get a real sense of the arc of their career is sort of interesting. Yeah. 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 But what's not interesting, Scott, is the fact that they basically do the climax twice in this movie, as we said. I wrote, not since Brewster's Millions have I been so disinterested in a game between a minor league team and a major league team. Yep. I, just not an interesting dynamic. No. Um, it just it didn't mean anything. The story was played out a second time at the end yeah. in a shittier park. I mean,
1: clearly this movie was written for Tom Berenger to be the main character. Right. right. It has to happen. no question because he's got the girlfriend who looks quite a bit like Renee Russo, which I think is weird. They cast a woman who looks kind of like Renee Russo. I mean a
2: lot like her. I had to kind of double take but when it seems I was like, at her.
1: Cause like it's pointless for this woman to be in the movie right. at all.
2: And the only reason she would have been in was if it was Renee Russo, uh, they, they would give given her a her scene role. where they're basically like, you're not going to be in the movie for a while. She's like, I'll still be here. You yeah. know, when you need me in the climax. Oh, good. Yeah. And then the they are
1: like, by the way, we're married. Yeah, like, okay. my friend. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, oh, and the dialogue between them, every scene they have is horrible. There's a scene like, when he gets offered the, the position and he's talking to her and he goes, you really think I can manage a baseball team? Is it really that much of a stretch? <laughs> you've been playing baseball for twenty years. You don't think you could maybe manage a minor league? Ba- the stakes and are so low. He's so
2: reticent, and all it takes is a conversation from her, and he's like, "All right, I'll go, th- I'll do it all." Day. She's
1: like, "Well, it seems like you want to do it, and you like baseball, and that's what you've done your whole life. So why wouldn't you do it?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, you're right." I'm retarded. Couple of baseball things. Yeah, let's wrap up with that. When the guy Carlos is yelling at the kid on the, on the mound and haven't taken all the time in the world to yell at him for throwing at him, didn't even hit him, just walked off the base to yell at him. Yeah. Where are the umpires? To go, you're fucking delaying the game, dude. Let's go. Like, Enough. At least just show me one umpire slowly walking up and going, right.
2: all right, boys. So it's a like, perception that in these games you can hear what's going on, you can have conversations. Right. The guy on the mound in the second no movie. No one's hearing that. The guy on the mound in the second movie can hear fucking Quaid in center field during the game, what?
1: Right, it makes no fucking sense. Okay. Yeah, walk out to the bullpen. He walks four feet from the <laughs> building he can hear the guy in the bleachers. <laughs> Come on. What? Come on.
0: My old thing, you make my butt sting.
1: The only other thing I want to say about this movie the last thing, the very end of this movie is the most underwhelming ending to a sports movie (sighs) you've ever seen. Yeah. Like, he hits that two-run homer, trots the bases, and they drag it out, too. Like, he trots the bases, Mm -hmm. they all come out, and it's not until, like, a couple of minutes after he's hit the home run that Bob is like, and there you have it, folks! They've won a... None of that felt
2: authentic. There was an or editing real, problem or... there. And I mean they drag out the trot for a long time. Yeah. They let you see that it's in a small stadium. You there's no one really around. There's no sense of grandeur. Yeah. No it's sense weird. of weird. Yeah. The, the the whole stadium's dead,
1: basically. Like
2: Look, you know what? I think it can best be summed up that the third movie is really just half. It just feels like somebody had. I don't a, think they had nearly as much money. They didn't have the right money. They didn't have any star power. It's not written well, not directed the well. the
1: twins were trying to do basically, you know, they were just trying to blow up their team the same way. I'm sure Cleveland got blown up it's because a shame. of these movies. It's a shame, like,
2: it's a shame though, because this has been this is interwoven into the into the lore of Cleveland. This first film right. And yeah. it's cool. Yeah. You know, Cleveland, the whole thing is it's the curse of Rocky Covalito. And he was a famous, uh, he was a beloved player that was traded, um, I, I believe, in, uh, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And that caused the curse of Cleveland's baseball team never winning a World Series. It mm-hmm. made it to the champ- to the championships three times and never won.
1: Same way the Babe Ruth curse. Right. right. Yeah.
2: There's, been, there's been three curses and the curse of the Cubs. It's, those are the three big curses. Yeah. The curse of the Bambino, the Cubs curse, which has been broken. Which is the goat, right? When right. kicked that goat out or whatever. Something like that, right. Yeah. And now this one, which is still not been broken.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, still going. But we'll
2: see. Cleveland's got a good team this year, my friend. Pretty
1: good. I mean, they're first in the Central Division, but right. the Central Division is a horrible division.
0: It
2: is. It's, it's not. It's, it's you know, historically it's not terrible. a very good division. The
0: Indians win it. The Indians win it. Oh my god, the Indians. Win it!
2: Ah!
1: So, uh <clears> yeah, this this uh week, um we were thinking this movie takes place in Cleveland, obviously. Um so, you know, for our correspondent bit, we got to send to Cleveland, but you know Phil's over on the west coast. Yeah, seems like a waste of his time to come. He was just here. He was you just know, here, and we expensive. Right, we're not obviously going to pay for his flight. We don't need him. So uh, we sent uh, another friend of mine who is actually a, a huge fan of uh, Major League. Oh, is that right? Yes, a very big fan. He quotes it more than anyone that I I know.
2: And we sent um, we, we we sent him to Cleveland. We
1: sent him to Cleveland to head to the stadium, which is now uh, I believe it's Progressive Field, just to get what to get a sense of. Yeah, to get a sense of the park and kind of just, uh, you know, give us like an update here and there. What's his and name? His name is Brian. Brian. Brian Parks. Brian Parks. Uh, <laughs> Brian Parks is that right park. his
2: real name or is that? J- yes, that's his real name. Oh, so it's. Well, I guess we could call the segment Parks at the Park. I like you know, it. Huh? You know what? Let's do that.
1: Yeah. So uh, here is a uh, first time new correspondent. We sent him out there and here's what he had to say. Okay.
0: Hell folks, how are you, Brian Parks here, your baseball correspondent for the Trilogy Podcast. I am very excited, in fact, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm pumped, I am pumped to be here out on my first assignment, coming at you live from Progressive Field here in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes sir, the backdrop for the Major League Films. And here tonight, it's bat night at the park. Ooh, but guess what? Not those stupid little mini bats. No, 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 no. We're talking real, old-fashioned, full-length, dangerous-ass bat night here, all right? Now, I, myself, am a huge fan of the Major League Films. And today, I'll be going somewhere I've always wanted to go. I'll be going inside the Cleveland Indians Clubhouse. In fact, right now, I'm standing just a bit outside home plate and I am about to head into the clubhouse where maybe, maybe I'll even get a chance to pray to Joe Boo, huh? Now listen, before we head down to the clubhouse, I want to give you a little history on the stadium here. Now, the stadium was first built in, uh, uh what the hell? I oh, uh, pardon me, folks, I'm so sorry, but there's somebody who seems to be coming at me here. I don't know who this who the hell this could be. I don't know anybody in Cleveland. That looks, looks like Bob Euchre and drag. Let me see, oh, wait a second, is, is that Phil? Phil, what the f- What the hell are you, you doing? doing, huh? huh? Take my job, huh? What do you think this is?
2: I am the West Coast correspondent. I am the West Coast. I've got to beat your bony ass to make a point, Bungie. Sure as fuck will. Dear Jesus, what in the... Good Lord. Scott, what? I mean, we're trying to... It shouldn't happen like this. This shouldn't happen. This is horror. I mean... Well... Well, anyway. I think it's important that we talk about whether this is a successful trilogy or not, and I think this is a pretty easy one for us. Yeah. I mean, I'll start if you don't mind. Go for it. All right, I'm going to say this is an unsuccessful trilogy, Scott, obviously because... um, um no matter what you think about the second film cuz i think you're going you're going to tell me you like it and i i didn't really like it but mm. either way the third film was trash yes although the first film is sensational and is a classic yes all right so for me i think it is your you're very um your very typical one, two, three progression. The movies get worse as they go. There are some redeeming qualities in the second film, but I wasn't fond of it and wouldn't watch it again.
1: Well, actually, I know you're going to be surprised by this because I know you expect me to really like the second movie, which I do. I do like the second movie. Mm. But I'm going to agree with you and say it is a one, two, three. Because the first movie is obviously the best. The second one is trying that idea again and trying to turn it on its head, as we often see in a second movie. Of and the there's trilogy.
2: flashes of it being... It's got its moments, right. and Bob
1: Eucher is fantastic he's in great. it. He's great.
2: Who knew he was such a great comedic actor, right? Yeah,
1: seriously. Um, so he's very good, uh, but yeah. But for me, the, obviously, it's not a successful trilogy because the third one is garbage.
0: Well, we hope to get uh, Major League 3 going.
2: Absolutely, okay. yeah. Nice. Yeah, but the real Major League 3, not that garbage they tried to pull off years ago, you know? Definitely didn't live up to the original. I mean, thank you. Wow, neither did number two. Folks, thank you so much for listening. I, as always, am Vin. And I am Scott. Keep an eye out for us. We've got some huge things that in the next five or six months that are going to turn this podcast into something much bigger, much more interesting, much more comprehensive. It's going to give you every possible thing you can imagine about trilogies. Yes. Check us out on Instagram. Great compliment to the podcast. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. Baseball. Baseball. We're talking baseball.
1: Lazowski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque. Especially
0: Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.